you so much for joining us today on episode number 209 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So you know the benefits of running. You know the physical and the mental benefits. And maybe you have kids and you're wondering, hmm, I really would like my kids to start getting into running because I want them to have these benefits too. What's the best way to introduce running to your kids? This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so today we are talking all about getting your kids into running. This is a question that we have gotten so many times throughout the years. Yes, and the strong recommendation is to get on a bike, tie a rope around their waist, and just take off pedaling. <laughs> Keep up! <laughs> Let's go! Let's go! This is what we're doing today. Um, no, but for real, like this is a very important question that we want to answer, and we thought it would be a perfect podcast topic because we know that this question has come to us so many times. So is there a right way and a wrong way? The answer is yes, kind of like I I wouldn't necessarily. Well, yeah, there's a wrong way. You know, there's definitely a wrong way to get your kids into running. Um, And we've seen the whole gamut throughout the years, you know, like as coaches, like not only as parents with young children, but also as coaches of high school age kids and um, just our kids have been in sports, you know, since they were younger also, like we all know certain stereotypical sports types of parents. Right. And there's something to be said, like there's, there's some nuance to this of, sure, that might not be the the best way of doing it but there's also kids who have reached unbelievable levels of success because that was the stereotypical parent forcing them to do the thing Mm -hmm. hours and hours of the day right and i think that it all comes down to the goal right like it all comes down to like what do you want your kids to get out of running or any sport for that matter you know like i think that this is a, a big trend that i've seen as a physical therapist with kids at very young ages getting a lot of repetitive use types of injuries because kids these days are just specializing in sports at a very young age and that's just something that has been much more um, like increasingly popular over the last decade at least Um, the last you know I would say 10 to 20 years like people just keep specializing their kids earlier and earlier you know when, when we were kids growing up you you played everything. You played all the sports. Right? Whatever the season was dictated what the sport was. Yeah, you had a season for soccer. You had a season for softball. You had a season for basketball. And you just kind of rotated through all the sports. But now, especially, you know, with our high school kids, we see such specialization. You know, we have people that – kids that play lacrosse, and they play lacrosse year-round. Yes. You know, they pick one sport – very early on and they just stick with that and they play it year round they they pick that sport and they may pick it before they get to high school right where even more sports then open up and they have the opportunity to try all these different things mm-hmm. but they already started specializing in sixth grade and decided that or younger and decided they wanted to get a college scholarship for that if, thing yeah for baseball like yeah. baseball is going to be the thing and i determined it in fourth grade like if you had to go back because i've got this book of what do you want to be when you grow up mm-hmm. and if you had to make the call in like fourth grade and you you had to stick with it like you had to see that all the way through that to me is sort of like the the same concept of picking the one sport that's going to be your go-to thing in fourth grade you know what 
feelings change about these different things. Like yeah. what seems cool in fourth grade is not necessarily going to feel as fun and exciting. Yeah, Kevin wanted to be a pro basketball player. Yeah, and ultimately it was just my lack of, of height that ultimately. Was, was really the only issue I had going. It's the only thing that kept you out of the NBA. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, exercise serves so many benefits, right? Like, as a runner, you know this. Exercise helps to improve your physical and your mental well-being. And this is obviously something that we want to give to our kids, right? And it's especially helpful as schools start phasing out PE, which is absolutely ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. Kids need physical activity. And if, if you're looking at your kid's schedule of whatever grade they're in, and you're like, wait, you don't ever go outside? Like you don't have a, you don't have like recess or or lunch. What do you do during lunch? Oh, yeah. You just sit at a table and there's no PE. Right, and the thing is, is it even younger kids like you know PE is still present in recess in the younger grades in most places, but then as they get older, it's definitely phased out. Like in middle school, they don't have recess anymore. Definitely in high school, there's not like a recess period, right? And anyone that has been stuck in a house with their kids on a rainy day really understands the benefits that physical exercise provides. Anybody who's been stuck in a house with their kids for, I don't know, COVID yeah. <laughs> for the last year plus yeah. understands the benefits of getting the kid outside for a brief period of time. Absolutely. And, you know, running is one of those great things because it doesn't require equipment, right? This is what gets a lot of adults into running, but it's also a, a reason that you want to get your kids into running. Like you don't have to go out and you have to buy them a bat and a glove and a helmet and all the things that you need. Like as long as they have a pair of shoes and some clothes on, then they're going to be good to go. Right. And because they're doing a lot less in general, and we'll get into that as we keep going through the episode, but they're doing less. They don't need crazy, fancy, you know, $40, $50, $70 technical fiber shorts and shirt. Like, put on some comfortable athletic clothes. Shoes are more important. Kind of, you know, make sure they have a good pair of shoes. But after that, just put them in clothes that they feel comfortable in and then head out and see what see what happens. Right. But running is one of those things that can help your kids exercise throughout life because no matter what sport they decide that they're going to get into, like if you introduce them to running, running is going to help them in any sport that they do, regardless of what that might be. Right. And once they get through, let's say, I don't know, junior high where I stopped playing basketball because I, then I went to high school and it turned out that the coach had to pull me aside and say, yeah, you're not good at basketball. Um, maybe you reach that level and then you need a different sport. Or maybe you make it through high school playing sports and then you get to the college level and it ups to a different level. Or maybe you play sports through college and then you come out the other side of college and you're like, okay, now what do I do? Running doesn't disappear. Mm-hmm. Like you can always keep playing running. Yeah, like running's definitely there. And, you know, it can help teach kids the lessons of perseverance and and how if they put in the work the rewards will come and you could they can see themselves getting faster and they can see things feeling better right there's so many rewards and we've as runners know these things right we felt them we've experienced them and whenever we feel and experience good things in our lives we want to give the same things to our kids so i think it's a very natural thing to want to introduce our kids to running if as runners Yes. And you know, one of the, the aspects that brings a lot of people into running at, at younger ages, if they they are good at other sports, like team sports, ball sports, where it's, if they're good at it, but the rest of the team is not, 
it doesn't matter how good they are, they can only bring the team up to a certain level. Or if they're not good, but the rest of the team is good, they're suddenly reaching higher levels of success, even though they're not very good. Running has this sort of direct impact of how much work and talent you bring to it Mm -hmm. is kind of what you get back in return. Yeah, and it also allows them to stand out in that way. Like, I think which is good for some kids, and to some kids can be intimidating, so you have to kind of know the personality of your kid and how they're going to respond to that. But even if they are a more timid or more shy kid, running can definitely help them in that way, right? Because it kind of puts more of that spotlight on them and helps them, you know, helps them learn how to deal with pressure and competition and those kinds of things without just kind of shrinking into the background and letting their teammates take over. Yeah, you really can't disappear. Like if if you're in a, a soccer field, especially at like the younger age, where it kind of looks more like swarm ball, if you're not that good, you just kind of slide off towards the side. Or you're that kid that's just like playing with their hair on the side. Picking daisies yeah. over like the balls at the other end of the field. Yeah, what do you okay. do? It's okay. It's fine. Yeah. You're not even on the field anymore. It's fine. It's fine. They're Um, five. But, I mean, I remember when I was playing soccer a lot more. I was much younger at the time. But as long as you looked like you were near the ball, even if you never even tried to kick the ball, it looked like you were in the game. You were trying to do something. Like, I was up and into it. Even though I wasn't really all that good at soccer, I could run, and I could be relatively close to the ball. I was a midfielder, because I could just run up and down the field all game long. I was always close to the ball. I don't know how much impact I had on the game. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) But it's funny, because, like, I was the opposite. Like, I hated running, you know? So it's like, I tried to avoid things and actually didn't try out for soccer, because there (laughs) was too much running involved when I was a kid. So, you know, there's the whole spectrum of things, right? But running is one of those things that can help kids start to become more in tune with their bodies, which I think is a huge benefit of running. Uh, To me, this is one of the biggest benefits is kids can just literally start getting sort of feeling the different feelings inside of their body. Yeah. So it's more than that feels good, that feels bad. There's things like, oh, that's a refreshing feeling, that's an exciting feeling. There's the difference between like, that's uncomfortable, that's painful, that's achy. They can start to sort of get that sensation also. It's depending not Depending on the age. Of course, depending on yeah. the age. But it's not just good or bad. I mean, mm-hmm. at first, it definitely is. Like, <laughs> not running, good. Running, everything hurts. Like, yeah. you get the same thing if you come into running as an adult also. Yeah, and, and you know, this really does apply regardless of what sport they're playing. Like, if it's running or if it's anything else, like, any sport can really help them become more in tune with their body, right? Because... So much of them, you know, as their bodies grow and develop, they're gaining more hand-eye coordination, more foot-eye coordination, whatever sport they're playing, and it just helps them to learn their body better, right? And running is just, is in line with any other sport out there in a way. Like, it's a little bit different because there's really not that hand-eye coordination involved. Um, so I would argue that they should be doing running in addition to other things, and, and that's coming from me as a runner and as a running coach. Um, but I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode as well about you know creating kids that are more well well-rounded athletes versus that early specialization because I'll tell you right now spoiler alert like I don't believe in early specialization in kids I see a lot of problems that develop because of that like with kids that specialize in sport too early um, as a physical therapist all right so I want to hit that just for a second here this came out in I want to say like around 2016 last round of the Olympics Mm -hmm. that so many people they want to get their kid into the sport so they can get the college scholarship they can go pro they can go to the olympics depending on what the the sport is Mm -hmm. but they surveyed all the olympians and most olympians did 
a wide variety of sports growing up. Mm -hmm. and these were athletes at the highest levels of sport and they didn't specialize yeah. as a kid. Well, and I wonder if that's going to change like with the next generation too, right? Because a lot of those Olympians that were surveyed were more around our generation. Sure. Like I think, you know, that's hard to say because I still think I'm like 21 years old, right? And so I'm like, <laughs> no, oh, the, I'm the same age as these guys. Definitely the same age as definitely all the Olympians. We're totally still not. in our 20s. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think that that will be interesting to ch to kind of see if that's the case um, as we continue to move forward. I, w I would guess that it would be, right, in, in a lot of ways because the, what I'm seeing as a physical therapist is that the kids that specialize really early on start with injuries so early that they probably wouldn't be able to even – have a career that would take them into the Olympics because they would just get hurt too much. Right. I mean, we'll go back into that thing as, as we dive a little bit more into yeah. the whole specialization. But yes, I mean, it kind of goes to one of the core principles mm -hmm. of, of, you know, our real life runners yeah. like framework here of if you can't be consistent, you're never going to be good. Yeah. And, so. So, and you need that well-roundedness to be consistent. Yep. But going back into this idea of like some of the benefits of, you know, running and, and getting kids more in tune with their body you can help to counsel them and kind of coach them a little bit as a parent. Like, right, you have to be careful because I'll tell you as a coach, I am, I, I've coached my kids in softball and in sports, right? And so being a parent that is also a coach, it's a very tricky relationship. It makes things very messy in, in a lot of ways. Like there's a lot of things you have to navigate there. So it's important not to try to coach your kids too much, you know? So if you are not a coach, let the coach do the coaching is a really good thing, but just kind of pointing things out, bringing to their attention, like, Oh, how did that make you feel? Or how did you feel when you were in that race or, you know, up to bat or whatever that is. And the same thing that you can start to do with other things in their life, like, Oh, how do, how do those different foods make you feel, right? How does sleep change the way you feel? And this is one of the things that we've started doing with our kids and trying to just help bring awareness. Like I think that, that that's what it's about more. It's not really about like telling them what to do, but more just bringing awareness. Like, oh, like, you know, you went to a birthday party and you had cake and you had this and you had that. That's most likely the reason that you had a stomach ache at three o'clock that day, you know, like let's think about what you ate and then how those foods made you feel. Right. It, it's bringing the awareness, not pointing out this was good, this was bad. Right. This was simply a, a cause and effect. And kids can start becoming a little bit more aware of this. Again, this is kind of age dependent as our kids are getting older. Totally. We're able to open up more of these questions. It's part of, of kind of having an open-ended question instead of saying it, it, like a yes or no response to this. You open it up to, so what did you have for breakfast and lunch today? Oh, well, how do you feel now? And, mm -hmm. you know, if they list off a, a series of, of junk food, because I know one of the reasons I played baseball for so long is because we got a ticket to the snack shack afterwards and yeah. then we get fun dip and just literally eat a packet full of food-colored sugar. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I ever felt great that afterwards, right. but I never felt terrible. Mm -hmm. I think I was also probably still a crazy high sugar processor at that time. Probably. So yeah, <laughs> I, but, just, I burned through it. But did your mom ever point it out to you? Probably not. No. Right? Like, and I think that's the key. And it's like, I, and I tell our kids this too, and you know, they might have a different perspective. 
but I like to just point out like, okay, this is what you ate. How did you feel? Like, did that make your stomach feel bad? Did you have a headache? Did anything like that happen? And they're like, no. And then sometimes they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, that's a good thing to keep in mind. You know, so like next time, if you're in the same situation, maybe you don't have both of those things. Maybe you just have one. And if you want both, that's fine. You can totally make that choice. Just understand that you might have a tummy ache later. Yeah. And I mean, this kind of goes to our whole philosophy around food is you don't have to restrict from many things. Just be aware of what taking in different foods does to your body. Well, and again, like you said, this is age dependent, right? Like we're not giving these choices to a five-year-old. Like as our kids have gotten older, we've given them more freedom of choice, you know, as they've kind of aged and gotten a little bit more responsible. Yes. And then we take a deep breath and hand them just a little bit more responsibility. Right. It's tough sometimes to hand over that responsibility. Ah, parenting. Like, can I have dessert tonight? Um, Sure. Should you have dessert tonight? Yeah. And then they're going to answer yes. And they're going to answer yes repeatedly until eventually they make the call of like, actually, no, I had at a whole like birthday cake for lunch because we mm-hmm. went to that birthday party and I'm actually still not feeling all that great from the cake. So maybe I shouldn't have dessert yeah, tonight. Like, and our oldest daughter has come to that point a couple of times. It took a little while. It, of course. It took a few stomach aches. It took a few like laying in bed. I can't sleep because my stomach hurts. Mm-hmm. And eventually she comes around and realizes. Yeah. And I think that once they come to that decision, it's more powerful, right? Far more powerful. But far more powerful for them to come to that versus us just telling them no, right? So back to running. When is a good time for your kids to start getting into running? All right. So this, I think, depends on how structured the program is. You know, I I tried to figure out, like, what's the best? What's, like, a doctor-recommended time? There's not really a good thing out there. No. Like, your kids run. Like, you may have, like, a real small kid who's just, like, bouncing around the house. You're like, what do I do to stop them from running? Take them outside and make them run up and down the street. (laughs) Which we've done, especially with with our younger one, where she's, like, literally bouncing off of walls. Like, how are you even swinging from the fan up there? How did you get to that? (laughs) And you may be thinking to yourself, this episode's like the opposite of what I need. How do I calm my kid down? And the answer might still be take them out and run them because it's, it's a good thing to get out there. It's just a matter of how much structure you want to put onto that kid, which is very age dependent and their enthusiasm level dependent. Absolutely. And so we like to tell people, you know, especially if you have younger kids, drills and strides are a fantastic way to get your kids in, right? That can be like the primary focus of the run for kids, especially at a younger age. Like, you know, when you're out there doing strides where you're doing marching or butt kicks or karaoke, have your kids just join in and show them how it's fun to do that kind of thing. Like strides are really fun. We're going to run two mailboxes as fast as we can. Like kids love running like that. Yes, they do. And if you tell your six-year-old that you're going to do butt kicks, they will join you every time just so that they can say butt kicks. Yeah, and then laugh about it. Of course they will. And so will your husband. I am far more mature than that. I am well past my 20s in age. I'm Mm -hmm. not actually still on the Olympics or the same age as them. And I don't laugh every time I say butt. Most of the time. Most of the time. Look, you you just did it right there. Nope, I totally did not. Way to go. All right. So another good thing uh, about sort of the structure of the program is if you got younger kids, just very active games are perfect for younger kids. Mm -hmm. And when I say younger, I'm I'm talking like four, five, six, like that kind of ballpark. Yeah. Just active games like tag. Like kids love playing tag way more than, than they should. Like if you think about it as as like... 
40, 50, somewhere in that age range. And you're like, yeah, you know what would be fun this afternoon? Let's just run around and touch each other. Like, that just sounds awful. But kids love playing And I'm done tech. with this game. <laughs> like, all right, and, I, I, and I'm gotcha. going to hide behind the tree. Now it's, <laughs> then we realize the joy of hide-and-go-seek. Yeah, tag is great. So are relay races. You know, relay races are a great way that you can incorporate drills and strides all together in yes. one, right? And when you're that active, fit parent, I mean, I know that that's one of the reasons that I want to be fit. That is one of the reasons that I run and that I work out is that so I can be that active fit parent that takes part when I want to, like when you operative want to. word when I want to, right? Like my kids always want to like play pool games and I'm like, I just want to float. Is that okay? <laughs> like I just don't really want to play, but you know. Yeah, but pool games are different. Like right. tag, that's, that's a great one. Instead of coming back and doing your strides at the end of a run, you literally could come back and then go play tag with the kids mm-hmm. because tag is basically a series of short sprints. Yep. Like I remember when I played tag on the playground as a kid, I was always that kid, like we'd always start at base and they'd be like, all right, one, two, three, go. And everybody would like sprint away and I would take off running, which was not always the most fun thing because no one would chase me down because I would run too far away. <laughs> I'd be like, all you right, fine, I'll have, to, I'll have to run back so I can be part of this game again. <laughs> it's so funny. But yeah, you know, I think that that's really important. So when, especially when they're younger, just like make it fun, right? Like make little games, things like that. And then um, if you want to kind of start to get them into something more formal, a lot a lot of times that more structured type of program will start around kindergarten age. Right. So it sort of matches up with school is the more structure a kid can handle in a school format, the more structure they can handle in sort of a, a running format. And that does not mean that they need a strict program handed to them as a kindergartner mm-hmm. because that's not what they get in school either. Right. Like literally think of the structure of school, how as the kid gets older, it gets a little bit more formalized during the day of what you're doing each and every day. There's not as much variety to it. Same thing happens with running. In younger grades, there needs to be a little bit more variety, a little bit more playtime. As they get older, then they can get a little more structured. If your kid's really into it, Junior Olympics is somewhere around like seven, eight-year-olds. Wow, it's that young? There's The first category is under eight. eight so the first eight like you. real focus, it's eight you. Yeah. So the big focus is then like eight to ten. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of kids doing that. I kind of, looking back wish that I had told my parents I don't like playing baseball mm-hmm. and had actually run track when I was in like yeah, school. but I mean, that's really the age that most sports programs start to become more structured. Like, a lot of them, yeah. You know, like our kids are in softball and basketball and all these things. 8U is really the first division yes. where it becomes a more structured type of thing. You know, we had our um, youngest daughter in T-ball when she was five and six years old. I think she was six. And it was for four to six-year-olds. And it was just hilarious. Like, it was <laughs> painful to watch sometimes because the kids would, you know, hit the ball and run the wrong way and they'd be out playing in the dirt and whatever and it's just because at that age they just don't have the attention span and that's totally normal and totally fine like they cannot focus for that that long which is why running is a great thing especially if it's short distance fun games you know things that are is just there are fast moving that don't require a long attention span right so the difference between like a practice in t-ball and a game in t-ball is not much. Not much. Like most of it still is They're wearing a jersey. Right. They're wearing a jersey. <laughs> That's your main difference. Most of it is still essentially corralling the kids into whichever direction they're supposed to be going. Right. Like that's what it has. Same thing kind of happens with running. If Unless your kid is, for some reason, just super focused on, I need to run, this is what I should do, 
the the training plan, even if there's a race involved, is the same thing. That's why I'm kind of relating it to T-ball where yeah. there's a game involved. Even if there's a goal race involved, most of the training for younger kids should still just be sort of play and mm-hmm. a lot of games and a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. But like when they get to that eight to 10 year old range, they can start to handle that more formal program. Okay. Whether it's running or any other sport, like I want you to just basically think of running just like another sport, right? Like there are a certain number of days that your kids should be running, just like there's a certain number of days they should be practicing whatever their sport is. Like if they are in that eight to 10 year old range, they shouldn't be practicing their sports seven days per week. They shouldn't be doing it five days per week in most cases, right? So same thing goes for running. Like you should limit the number of running days because you don't want that much force and pressure on their body. Like their bodies are still growing and developing. And so the weight bearing activity and exercise of running is really good to help strengthen their bones, to help build their muscle. All of those things are really, really good when done at the appropriate level of intensity and the appropriate level um, of like number of days per week. Right. So I want to get to that one in in just a second as a transition to sort of like how much is too much. But one of the other things is, and at like eight to 10, as the the program gets a little bit more formal, maybe there's more races on on a regular basis, you still need to do your best from the parenting side to try to remove as much pressure from the performance and keep the thing as fun as possible. You're still dealing with like an eight to 10 year old. Right. And it is important that like, you know, when we as parents, like if you are a runner, your kids already feel like there's some sort of pressure on them. Like I talked to my, be a runner? yeah, like I already, t- I talked to my kids about this and that's what they were telling me is that there is already this like innate level of pressure just because we are runners. So it's like, they think that we expect them to be runners and to be good runners and to be long distance runners and to be fast runners and all the things, even though we've never relayed that to them, they still feel that pressure. And I asked, I said, you know, is that because I'm a running? a runner or a running coach and she said both you know because obviously our kids only know us and we are both but I think that she she thinks that it's really would go for anyone that has a parent that is a runner that they just there is that pressure that they would kind of do the same thing I mean that makes sense that well this is what my parents do so they're going to expect me to do similar things it's weird as sports is somehow different like just because your dad's a dentist doesn't mean that he expects you to grow up and become a dentist but a lot of kids feel that way yeah yeah I mean there is that innate family pressure like if your parents a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer a lot of times kids feel pressure to do that same thing and some do and some turn the opposite way some turn the complete opposite way like like mom's a lawyer so i've got to go into log school or whatever it is yeah because that's just the path that was paid for them and they just feel like their parent have that has that expectation for them yeah i think that running can be the same yeah i mean i thought that my parents wanted me to go in the nba so that's why that was my dream yeah your dad that was an nba player yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah his dad is definitely not an NBA player. No, but he does have a great left-hand hook shot. Does he? Yes, he see, does. I've never seen your dad play basketball. He's good. Yeah, I could I could see that. So I actually decided to have a little conversation with my daughter, with my oldest daughter, and record it. So I'm going to play a little bit of that for you now. Um, and so you can just actually get it from the kid's perspective. Now, keep in mind that this is definitely not scripted, and you'll be, probably be able to tell that as you listen to it. Um, but this is just us having a conversation about it. So this was a very unfiltered um, view from an 11, almost 12-year-old on what it is like to have running parents and kind of how we as parents should handle things from the kid's perspective. Okay, so 
Rye, what do you think, you know, if you have a parent that is a runner, which you do, you have two parents yep. that are runners, okay, um, what does that feel like? Like if, if we wanted to get you into running or if we noticed that you had an interest in running, what do you think that parents should know about getting their kids into running? Okay, so definitely like kids feel pressure um, because their parents are a runner they are into the sport, they do the sport, their Facebook feed is the sport, they're watching the sport. There's lots of things. Um, there's just automatic pressure put on them. Okay. And um, do you feel like we put pressure on you or there just like is pressure? There's just pressure. You're not trying to put pressure on us, but there definitely just is pressure there because you coach people, you coach high schoolers, um, you do a lot of things that are related to running. Mm-hmm. Your whole life is basically centered around running. So there's just automatic pressure put on us. Okay. And so if we wanted to like get you into running, right, because we know how awesome running is, obviously you said we care about running a lot um, and we can see all the benefits of it, what would be a good way for a parent to kind of introduce running to their kid with as little pressure as possible, right? Because what you're saying is that there is automatically going to be a pressure because the parent is a runner, right? Even people that don't have running coaches as parents, they just are runners, right? Because then the kids are watching their parents and they're seeing that their parents succeed at this thing and they feel like they want to be good also like their parent or they want to impress their parent or make their parent proud of them. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's the pressure, right? Okay. So then what would be a good way for us to kind of, as a parent, you know, for a parent to bring a kid into the sport of running with as little pressure as possible? Um, You definitely have to, like, introduce it without being too excited about it. Okay. Because if you're too excited about it, the kid will automatically be like, wait, they're very excited, which means if I fail, then they will be extra disappointed. Mm. That's not going to go well for the kid. And since the kid feels like there are higher possibilities of them disappointing their parents by doing that, they're less likely to do that. Okay, that makes sense. So what if, as a parent, I told you that there's no possibility of failure, that there's no way you could disappoint me. We just want, I just want you to go out there and have fun. Okay, so that's... Okay, so there's no possibility of failure. failure. That part is kind of like the, how the brain works. And like if you kept going on about that... About how there's no failure... About how there's no failure and everyone's a winner. That sounds like rec league. Okay. And like, it's something that a two-year-old coach would say to me. Mm-hmm. So that kind of sounds like you're babying me. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that because mm-hmm. I'm 12. Right. Well, almost 12. 11 Whoa. and three quarters. 12. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that might work for a younger kid. That may work for a younger kid, like okay, under so, like seven-ish. Okay, so under the age of seven or eight, like mm-hmm. telling them that like, we just want you to have fun, you're not going to fail, like we just want you to try your best, like that's a good thing. Yes, definitely okay. for younger kids. For younger kids. Now what about over the age of eight? If you're over the age of eight, you're definitely like forming your own opinions, trying to like branch off from your parents so that you're not like exactly like your parents a carbon copy being exactly like your parents your parents are older than you that's not cool they're not cool i am cool okay but in general in general <laughs> people like kids my kids age, don't think their parents are cool no, even if no. their parents are really cool 
Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so kids will try to branch off from their parents. Mm-hmm. So if you are like doing that, they automatically might like just be like, no, mom does that, dad does that. I don't really want to do that because mm-hmm. it, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe just don't get too excited, definitely, because if you get too excited, like I said, like the the disappointment level will be higher in the kid's mind like if you're too if you're that excited you'll be that much more disappointed if they fail right but what if there's no thing as such thing as failure and then you're talking about the brain again and then i zone out yeah (laughs) okay so you think that we have expectations of you even if i don't tell you that I have expectations yes like you just assume that they're there yeah they're and just so, invisible expectations which is interesting because then how do you actually know if you're meeting them or not meeting them like you're just guessing you them. don't you don't right. you so don't it's, it's whether or not you're disappointed in yourself exactly right like it, I think that's a good thing for us parents to know that like even if you don't communicate that there's an expectation on your child your child still feels like there is one yeah because you're a runner Yes. Right. Just so by being a runner. Just by there you being a runner. A pressure there. A pressure there. Okay. But our big takeaways are don't get too excited. Yes. Try not to put pressure on your kids. Yes. Let them choose. Give them space. Yeah. And just. There's look. enough pressure on your kid just by being who you are, by doing what you do, by running. Um, so you don't want to put even more pressure by like being on top of them, being very excited about it, like. That's, those are all, like, things that will put pressure. Mm-hmm. So try not to do those things. Awesome. Thank you, babe. You're welcome. All right. So hopefully that was helpful. I thought that she was awesome, of course, because I'm very, very biased. Oh, yes. You're, you're remarkably biased. Yeah. But I think she makes a very good point, right? Like, just try to keep the pressure off them, especially when it comes to performance. Like, I think keeping it fun is the biggest takeaway that we can come away with here right which is much easier said than done because as she points out repeatedly just the fact that you're you are a runner Mm -hmm. the kids are are going to start putting that pressure on themselves she puts a lot of pressure onto herself she that and that's also her personality right So, so your kid might be different also like i think that's a very good thing to point out every kid's gonna handle this a little bit differently all right so Let's move on to our next point, which is how much is too much to put onto a kid in terms of running level? Yeah. I want to slightly defer here towards the uh, the physical therapist and like repetitive stress injuries. Well, yeah. So like I think that the first point that we want to make is like to let the kid dictate it, right? Like go at their pace. Like so if they are having fun with it and they want to like join in on the kid's dash um, at the end of your 5K, then let them, you know, like if they want to try the mile then let them and if you want to run the mile with them then that's a fantastic thing right but don't be like pushing them like come on let's go like you know pumping them up like rocky style like you can encourage them along and I think that that's important um, especially depending on what their age is like I think that Riley here point points out that you know she's 11 almost 12 like she doesn't want mom running alongside of her being like come on let's go you can do this like she doesn't want that kind of encouragement because she sees that as a pressure on top of her to perform better right whereas our younger one I 
did the kids mile with her after my last 5k yeah. and i mean i just ran the whole thing alongside of her i let her dictate the pace like i wasn't yeah. trying to push things there were other kids that would like sprint past us and then they'd take like a walking break and mm-hmm. she just kept on running like she just well, that, that was her goal her goal was to run the whole time right she wanted to run i purposely like essentially ran a half a step behind her to make sure that I was not pushing the pace on her. Right, right. And I think that's important too, is like ask your kid what their goal is, right? Like, do they just want to complete it? Do they want to try to run fast? Like, do they want to, you know, if they're, they're so, that's really how most kids run distance races is that they go out and they sprint it and then they walk and then they sprint it and then they walk. Like that's, especially if they're little kids, that's how they're going to run. You know, that's how she ran when she was little too. And because we're runners and running coaches, our kids are just exposed to the running world a lot more. So they hear us talk about pacing and all the things. So they're kind of getting a little bit more interested in that and like, like, oh no, I want to be able to run the whole time without walking. And like, this was this really started like a year ago during covid um i did a challenge that was like one mile every hour for 13 hours so i ran 13 miles over the course of the day and she wanted to do like one of my middle miles with me this is the youngest one she said she wanted to run the whole thing without stopping and I was like, okay. And it was the same thing. I said, okay, I'm going to let you set the pace. Um, we're just going to go however fast you want to go. And so like when it started to get hard, I said, come on, you can do this. Because I knew that that was her goal. Her goal was to not have to walk. So I wasn't forcing her to do anything that she didn't want to do. I let her set the pace. I let her dictate the goal. And then I just encouraged her when it started to get tough, like it was bound to bound do. To yeah. Yeah. And so the other thing about letting the kids set the pace and letting the kids set the, the distance on that within some like safety boundaries on yes. this is kids can really surprise you with how fast and how far they can run. Absolutely. They're like, oh, well, there's no way that my kid would be able to do that, that same loop that I can. And suddenly they take off running and you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, or apparently. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get into running in a more formal setting until the summer before high school. Mm-hmm. And my dad took me running and we got to like the start of the trailhead and he was like, okay, so we're just going to take off down this thing. And I hung out with him for the first like 15 seconds and then off off I went. He had no idea how far or fast I was going to be. Yeah. I just took off on him. Yeah. And I, I, every time the path split, I had to wait for him to catch up so that I could figure out which direction I was supposed to turn on the path. Mm-hmm. But like, let the kids dictate the pace and see if, see how positive that, that surprise can go also. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because kids also improve so much, like oh, yeah. so quickly too. Right. So when we did that first mile, like that mile, like a year and almost a year and a half ago, a year and some months ago, um, I think it was like last March or April, she ran that mile, her first mile without stopping in like a little under 12 minutes. I think it was like 1140 something. Sure. And this year she ran the kids mile with you just a couple of weeks or like two months ago. Right. Um, and she did it in like 930. Yeah. And that was like in a year, Yeah. you know, so it was just crazy how much they can get faster and be able to run longer and pace themselves better just because they're a little bit older and their body's a little bit stronger than it was a year ago. Yeah. I mean, I also kept yelling at her through the whole thing that you have to go faster. <laughs> and, and, and had that cattle prod in your yeah. hand. Mom's not going to feed you lunch. <laughs> do not do that. Right. But yeah, I think that that's really important. So 
letting the kids set the pace is really important. The next, like you don't want to push too much or too quickly because that's going to turn your kid away from running. Like what Riley was saying in the little interview that I did with her, like if you are too excited about it or are encouraging it too much is really going to drive the kid in the opposite direction, especially as they get older. I think that this is definitely the case as they get older versus when they're younger. 100% because you know that that little kid that gets like super obsessed with dinosaurs and now you've got like the five-year-old that knows as much as like paleontologists that have been researching for the last like 15 years Mm -hmm. and they can also name all the dinosaurs just by spotting a bone. Little kids get really excited and they want to do that thing. But then they also move on past it sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like maybe running is really exciting and they would like to head out the door and run pretty much every single day. You point out the issues of like doing the same activity you know, over and over again. But if you only let them go out there for like 10 to 15 minutes, that's not bad. It's like when you force them to be out there running for an hour every single day, yeah. that's going to quickly lead to like injury, burden boredom, burnout, like you're going to hurt the kid and the kid's not going to want to do it. Right, exactly. And you don't want that, right? Like, and it it kind of goes back to the specializing too early. Like how early do you want them to reach their peak? You know, do you want them to peak at the age of 10? Like probably not, right? Like if gymnasts, they a lot of times peak around 16 to 20, but even now we're seeing older gymnasts in the Olympics, which is so cool, right? This is the oldest women's gymnastics team that we've set in quite a long time. Yeah, and it's fantastic right you're not getting as much of that um but I think that that's such an interesting concept of like when do you really want your kids to peak and if they specialize too early and they're peaking really really early I mean we see this every year in cross country you know these kids that are at the top of their game when they're in high school and they're winning um they're winning states they're going on they're winning nationals and then they go off to college and you never hear their name again right this happens a lot especially if you start peaking and and winning things really early in high school. Uh, at the league that we compete against, there's some schools that we run against that actually are able to run their seven, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade yeah. kids against us. And we ran against a girl who won the Florida State meet as an eighth grader. Mm-hmm. Where are you supposed to go from that? Right. You won the state meet as an eighth grader. So then as a freshman, she's now competing and trying to make the national league and compete at the national level. You're still 14, 13, 14 years old, and you're competing at that level. At some point, injury is going to catch up. Physical changes are going to catch up, especially to female athletes around that age. Mm-hmm. Like There are issues that are coming up if you push too hard too early, and eventually you may drive the kid away from the sport rather than into the sport that you're aiming for. Absolutely, and we saw this with one of our runners a few years back. Like She started she played softball, um, at the age of six and they were in, you know, year round travel teams. And she got into, um, high, like, uh, middle school, they won nationals. They won the, they, the softball nationals yeah, when won she nationals. was in middle school. And then by the time she got to high school, she was so burnt out. She never wanted to touch a softball again, right. you know, when she was 14 years old. So then she actually came over and started running, you know, but same thing that like what you were saying with, especially the young girls, we see a, a major problem with, the girls that are running these crazy amounts of mileage in middle school or early on in high school, they're running 60, 70 miles a week. And yeah, their bodies are just like, they're taking it at that point because their bodies are able to absorb some of that kind of, um, but their hormones are all still affected. Right. And then you kind of get into a lot of the overuse types of injury cycles and hormonal imbalance where a lot of these girls don't get their periods and they 
um, end up develop developing what's called Red S, which is relative energy deficiency in sport, and they have a, a whole host of other problems because they're overtraining at such a an early age. And then they hit puberty, and like Kevin said, those physical changes, right, with the hormones developing, and girls start getting hips. And if you are a state champion in eighth grade at the age of thirteen or fourteen years old, where are you supposed to go from there? And for our experience, whenever we've seen people peak at that really young age, they just fizzle out through high school and they end up either not going to college at all, you know, for running, they go for something else, but, um, or they go to a college and they just have a very lackluster college career. Right. And there's plenty of examples of this of kids who run at like some of the best high school athletes that then get to college and they've already been training mm -hmm. so hard. They've been, essentially been training at a collegiate level or at a like post-collegiate level. Their mileage is through the roof. Their intensities are super high. Right. So what, what more can you do with the training mm -hmm. if you've already put the full load on them? Right. Assuming that somehow they came through uninjured, which, you know, if you're dealing with stress fractures in like a 10 to 12 year old, you're training too much. Yeah. But even, even high school kids, right? I think it's important to include high school kids in this discussion too, because if you're a runner and your high school kid is a runner, right? Maybe you have a, a high schooler that's on the cross country and track team. Make sure that that kid is not doing too much mileage. Like we tend to be lower mileage coaches. Like there are different philosophies out there and we coach against people that are higher mileage coaches, right? That have very good teams, but they run their kids at that 60 to 70 miles per week mark, we tend to keep our kids more in the like 30 to 40, even some in the 20s, depending on their skill level and how new they are to the sport. But it's, you know, we've had people, kids that we've trained go off and become professional runners. And a lot of that we think is due to the fact that yes, these kids were physically gifted already, but we also didn't overtrain them and injure them. Well, I mean, right. <laughs> That's a big part of being a high school coach. In my opinion is like doing enough so that those kids improve, but not overdoing it so that you're just running them into the ground. Yeah. So I, I vividly remember having a conversation with this athlete when she came back from one of her recruiting trips, you know, she had won the state meet in mm -hmm. cross country and she'd won in, in, in track events. And, you know, she's got like the interview with one of the college coaches that was recruiting her. And they said, what, what does a normal training week look like? Like, how many miles do you do? Yeah. And she was, was like, well, this is like my, my, a high volume week for me. And they're like, wait, your peak volume is 40 miles. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. We'd like you to come to our school. Like she had full ride offers for multiple schools because she was only at 40. So they knew the level that she could still elevate to from where she was. Whereas if you take a high school athlete who's already training at 80 miles a week, what more are you going to throw on top of them? Right. There's not that much more that you can do. Like how much more, more room for improvement is there? How much more room for improvement? Right. Like with that athlete, like she was already that fast given that lower mileage. So they knew that if they increased her mileage and increased her training a bit, that there was a ton of potential that still was completely untapped. Right. And then there's one of the, the podcasters that I listen to is the distance coach down at Houston. Mm -hmm. He has these interviews with, with athletes. He brings them in and he will take an athlete who has slower times in high school. If they're coming from a program that doesn't necessarily have like the strongest coaching background, they're yeah. like, Oh yeah, you're, 
you have just natural cross country ability, but you're coached by like the basketball coach because mm-hmm. that's what he does during the fall. He coaches the cross country team, and you you go out and run, and sometimes it's a little bit faster, and you're still able to do these things because he sees so much more potential. Yeah. When you're looking at kids that are lo- trying to get into the college level. Some parents are like, oh, well, they need to train at that level so that the coach can see that they can compete at that level. And college coaches are out there thinking, if you're already training at that level, what more can I do with you? Yeah. Yeah. Which and is I an think, interesting perspective. Totally. And, and I think that's important for you to know. Like, if you have a kid in high school that's running and they have any interest in moving on and running, you know, post high school collegiately in, in any respect, that's an important thing. And if, you know, have that conversation with their coach, right? Like as a, as a concerned parent, it's a good thing to kind of have that conversation to understand the coaching philosophy of, you know, the, the coach of your team. Um, I think that's important. So anyway, back to kind of the, the peak in like being that well-rounded athlete. That's what I think we should all shoot for. And people may disagree with me and that's okay. But I believe that we should try to create well-rounded athletes because well-rounded athletes make the best term, the best long-term runners. Okay. That's how we train our real life runners. Like we like to train our runners with strength, mobility, you know, prioritizing recovery, and nutrition and I think it's the same thing with our kids like we don't want to put all of this on our kids and you know be talking about macronutrients and making sure they get the right number of protein and carbohydrates like don't give your kids a complex when they're 12 years old right like you got to you got to introduce these concepts differently um in the way that we do it and not saying that you know everything that we do is right but just as an example of what we do it's like you know I do use those words but I'm like I know you have to kind of have some vegetables, have some like carbohydrates, some potatoes, some protein to try to teach them just the idea of a well-balanced meal and like kind of choosing different types of foods. Right. Making sure that your plate looks like it's not just all the same thing on top of it. Like, yeah, sure. It would be great if everything on your plate was that pile over there because that pile is yummy, but let's make sure we have a variety of different things on your plate. Exactly. And so this includes other sports too. So if you want to get your kid into running, I think it's absolutely fantastic, but it's also great for them to do other things. Like don't specialize your kid too early because with runners, you know, running is a one plane sport. You run forward. So there's a lot of lateral motion, like the, that side to side motion that we don't get as runners, but they do get that kind of thing in other sports like basketball or soccer or volleyball, lacrosse, like any sort of like team sports where they're cutting and running across the field. They're getting a lot of that lateral motion strengthening. And that's really, really important for them to start developing as kids because there is muscle memory like you develop your muscle and your bone structure as kids and so when you have those like lateral forces and you have these variable forces on the body it helps with better development of bones better development of all of the tissues and muscles and structures in the body versus specializing early where they tend to overdevelop certain muscles and underdevelop other muscles and their bones aren't getting equal forces in all directions. You want those bones in order to develop in the most healthy way. You want them to have forces in all directions. And that is really well accomplished by playing just a, a wide variety of sports. Yeah, by just going out and actually just playing. Yeah. Running in a straight line does not Climbing work Climbing trees, well. jumping off trees, like, you know, playing as children that a lot of kids don't get as much of these days because they're on devices or various other things. Right. It's, it's, 
rare that you can just say, all right, just go out and play, and the kid can come back inside after playing for six, seven hours mm-hmm. out in, like, you know, the woods behind the house. Yeah. Like, that'd be cool, but that's not the, the environment we live in. So then you got to mix it up and throw a variety of different sports at them mm-hmm. so that the body is moving in a whole bunch of different directions, and it can just naturally get stronger in all sorts of different directions. Yeah, absolutely. So let's wrap this up by just kind of giving you an idea of what they need. So if they are expressing an interest in running and you want to start introducing running more to your kids, what do you kind of need for them? And basically, this is one of the best things about running is that you don't really need much. Yeah, this kind of goes to, you know, the the classic runner. Well, running is easy because you you don't need much equipment. You just need a good pair of running shoes and out the door. And then they joke because once you get into running as like an adult, you're like, oh, plus my smartwatch and my tech shirt and these socks that cost me $15 and this. As a kid, you, you really don't need any of these things. I yeah. mean, quite frankly, as an adult, you could question how much of all these devices we really need yeah, in the I first mean, place. But... We like them because they're more fun, right? But like, as a kid, you need basically good running shoes. Yes. Okay, so we always say that shoes for kids should be light and flexible, especially before they start hitting puberty and adolescence, okay? Before the age of like 10, those shoes should be as light and flexible as possible because their foot is still forming. So you don't want to put them in a really tight, stiff, rigid shoe because they're not going to have the same level of mobility in their foot. And you want them to develop that mobility because when their foot moves more and you have a light and flexible shoe, the intrinsic muscles of the foot get stronger and the bones of the foot get stronger. All those tissues get stronger. If they're in a very rigid shoe, there's just not a lot of movement there. Right. So the rigid shoe, the shoes that are are trying to like correct for overpronation, like sometimes kids are going to roll towards the inside as they run. I know that our older daughter rolls towards the inside. Mm -hmm. She has a similar running gait to what I used to have. I don't think that we need to put her into a posted running shoe. One, she's not running that much that she's going to get herself hurt. And two, just work on some overall strengthening exercises. Do some running drills with her. Work on some lateral movements so that she actually continues to improve some strength in her hips. Then she can play basketball and not get hurt. Then she can play volleyball and not get hurt. Then she can continue running and not get hurt. Rather than throw the supportive shoes over the top of her and not let her body actually try and strengthen itself. Yeah. And specialty running shoes can help here too um a lot of times specialty running shoes um, shoe stores can help with kids shoes and if they can't they can maybe direct you toward you know someplace that that can and they're also a good place that can hook you up with like a local kids running club you know we have one here in south florida and our kids have participated in it a couple of seasons and it's fantastic but you you know I watch what they do most of the time they're out there playing games you know yes. they're they're playing like tag or relay races or all these different things and then there's one part where they take the older kids and actually make them run like laps around the field but the younger kids they're still doing just like the shorter fun distances you know that's what running should be as a kid and that's why the kids running group is great if you have a good kids running group they split it by ages and they split it by abilities and they split it by interest of the kids Mm -hmm. if the kid doesn't have the focus to run for five straight minutes don't force them to run for five straight minutes it's just not going to go smooth right and if there's a kids running club near you or a track club with a coach that is screaming at your child with a a stopwatch in his hand, you might want to be a little wary. We have one of those around here too. Oh, this is a good short side story. I remember we were out with uh, like your running crew at a bowling alley and somehow they met a kid there who was like, 
eight and was running regularly 5Ks and 10Ks, oh, and he was super yeah. fast. And like, oh, you should come meet. And they introduced them to me. Like, I was somehow going to coach this kid. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I told him was, all right. He wanted to run a half marathon. He wanted to run a half marathon. Yeah. Uh, I said, if you find a coach that tells you that they have the perfect plan for how you can run a half marathon, what you should do is run the other direction from them. You're eight. You should run in the way that you find fun. And if it starts hurting, you should take a break. Like that's pretty much what you should do. Mm -hmm. And the parents looked at me like I was going to have the magic plan for them. I think they were disappointed in me. That's okay. They're allowed to be. (laughs) And that, but that's where I'm coming from. Like, I'm not going to try and peak this kid at eight. Like that's, that's not my goal. And there are other coaches that might be willing to do that. And that's fine. Right. Like, and, and if that's what you want for your kid, no judgment, you know, like do you do you. And that's totally cool. This is what we recommend. We recommend well-rounded, you know, do it for fun. And then once they start to get into high school, then you can start to specialize a little bit more. Then you can start looking ahead. And if you have, you know, a talented runner on your hands, looking ahead to college and all of those things, but just do so in a smart way that they still have that joy of running. Like, I think that that's a really, really important thing. It's like, if you want your kid to be a runner, make sure that there's still fun and joy in it. And it doesn't get so serious so quickly that they just turn their back and never want to do it again right they need some years of fun because at some point if they start getting really competitive it may lose the fun and even if they take a break they might come back because that was my story yeah exactly so we hope this was helpful for you guys we uh, you know i had fun interviewing uh, our oldest here that was a little fun hopefully you guys enjoy that little segment there but um, if you have any questions, reach out, okay? And let us know what your thoughts were. You know, follow us over on Instagram at Real Life Runners. We always put up a post with every podcast episode every week. So find that post and let us know your thoughts in the comments on, you know, have you gotten your kids into running? How did you do it? How did it go? Um, we would love to hear your stories about that over at Real Life Runners on Instagram. So as always, thank you for spending this time with us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 209. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.